Hey Dave, welcome to uh, Jay Flaunts' Ignorance, episode 6, 7, 5, something like that. Glad to be here. <laughs> so I, I found a book, or we can talk about hockey some more. Did you want to clarify the, the? Uh, so your hockey league is the, the Invitational in, did you say Missouri? In Kearney. In Kearney? Yeah. Okay. Puck of the Irish. Yeah. So that's, and you're playing in that? I'm playing in the Puck of the Irish, yeah. Okay, so your normal league that I've been to a couple times, that's over for the season? No, that's still going on. So that'll start playoffs here in about three or four weeks. But that's still in town locally. That's in town locally. With oh, I see. Okay. League team. Yeah. My draft seasonal team. Yeah. Oh, uh, did you know I'm doing a hill climb next weekend? <laughs> on your dirt bike? Yeah. Yeah, that looks crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's you got to uh, get video of that, huh? Oh, boy. Yeah, I assume <laughs> if I screw up especially, then it'll be... Uh... <laughs> It'll be all over the internet. <laughs> if you screw up, stay out of the hospital at least. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I should have gotten two copies of this book. I'm, I'm holding in my hand a, a book called What's Wrong with Eating People? 33 More Perplexing Philosophy Puzzles by Peter Cave. Uh, and it's got a, a picture of a spam can on the cover, but it says man, uh, proven brain food. And uh, I thought this would be interesting. Uh, philosophical puzzles. Did you did you find you've now spent more time with it than I have because you were flipping through it for twenty seconds before I turned the mic on? Yeah, I flipped through it pretty quick. <laughs> Is the uh, where did you get? Did you find anything interesting or? Uh, I I like the uh, titles of the chapters and and the cover. So that's about as much as I can judge the book by now. Doesn't have to reevaluate <laughs> after I can actually read it. After twenty seconds. After twenty seconds. Yeah. Well, we could turn this into a series. Like I could give you this copy. I could find another copy. And then we could figure this out. So where is the Eating Man one? 19. Oh, geez. Which is on page... Uh, 123? Somewhere in there. Oh, all right. So... Jay's now flipping through the book. <laughs> oh, wait, hold on. I can do fully. I think Mike should pick that up. Oh, wait. I also have to change the energy settings so my laptop doesn't sleep. Because I'm a professional and I know exactly what I'm doing. And I'm only a little hungover. Rough night, yes, last night? Yeah. Or rough Easter. So. You're doing uh, the Easter egg hunts wrong if you're getting done hungover. <laughs> or you're doing them right, I can't tell. So I got invited to a, a get together at a friend's house, and um, I'm trying to declutter the house. Like, there's, we got too much stuff. And one of the projects was that I had a collection of tequila bottles downstairs and just empty ones, like cool bottles. Well, anyway, they're empty now. Well, right. <laughs> Start out that way. But, uh, yeah, I get, got rid of all those like two weeks ago. Felt proud of myself. Went upstairs and the ones that still have liquor in them are still up there. And I'm like, ah, oh, well, I could bring beer, but this is quicker and I got to get rid of these bottles anyway. Right. So I, I, I was the, crazy guy with the tequila bottle at the beer party at the house last night so and i can still feel it and that's the problem with <laughs> the problem with tequila alcohol is it's bogus man there's better alternatives Do I need some water no i've got i got this thing here so i, I, I keep downing it all right <clears throat> this is chapter 19 what's wrong with eating people or even who's for dinner oh boy okay so it starts out as a zombie thing not a philosophy thing hmm I probably should have read this before I decided to. So I think I think our initial like we should we should get a filling here of do you or I agree with the eating people before we read this chapter and, and ask if it asks the question is there something wrong with eating people? Yeah, 
Oh, here we go. So if, if we go to section two, there's a uh, whatever is wrong with eating people. Many creatures, cows, sheep, pigs would not have existed, but for our husbandry, yet does not give us the right to kill and eat them. Yet does that give us the right to kill and eat them? Were it to do so, we could return to Swift's proposal and defend farming human babies. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Well, let's see. So we could start with the uh, the scenario. What was the movie where the plane crashes in the mountains and they end up surviving based on... Oh, not the one with the wolves or... No, the one where they eat each other. Yeah, where to survive they end up... I couldn't watch that one. I uh, I didn't watch it either. For a boring sake, not a philosophy... Not a philosophical disagreement that I had with it. Oh, I see. And, and I, in, I've been vegetarian for six months, so I feel like that gives me, you know, a valuable perspective on this. I am the topic. opposite of vegetarian, so I will eat cheeseburger as often as possible. With the bread? Uh, steak, bread. Oh, see, so I don't eat bread. You don't I'm, eat bread either. I'm, I'm paleo now. So you're, you're a vegetarian paleo. No, no, no. Well, so I was vegetarian for six months. Oh. And I didn't lose any weight and it didn't feel any different. Right. And then I found this paleo diet, and I lost a ton of weight. And so, yeah, no, now I'm not at all vegetarian. But I had been for six months, so I'm a moral authority Good. on all types of food consumption across species. I have never been a vegetarian nor a paleo, so uh, I guess I will bring the opposite, the opposite viewpoint then. Omnivore, like you eat absolutely everything. I'll eat anything. Uh, oddly enough, living in Nebraska, I don't like corn, but really. Uh, yeah, I, I'll still eat it if I have to. Yeah. Well, so to survive, if a plane crashes in the mountains, and uh, the only way to survive is some of the people have died, right? And now you're 30 days later, and the rescue team still hasn't arrived, right? I don't have a problem with those people eating the only food source that's available, in the mountains. I would tend to agree. I think as long as they're not killing them for the food, you know, if it's if it's you and me and I decide that two weeks, 30 days after the plane crashed, I'm hungry, I don't think it's right to, to kill you and eat you. But if we crash on a plane and there are several other dead people around, I think I'm uh, I'm going to cook up some rump roast. Yeah. I think there was an episode of The Simpsons where Homer decides that they'll have to start eating people after about 12 minutes, <laughs> if I remember that correctly. <laughs> Huh, okay, so we're on, so it sounds like we're on the same page. In worst case scenario survival uh survival scenario in the mountains. I'm not sure how well that works, right? Cuz by then it's frozen. Well, and I think to make it right, you just eat the people that are organ donors, you know, first. I mean, based on their ID yeah. cards. Yeah, cuz they've consented to some sort of organ donation. They didn't know it was going to be through ingestion, but <laughs> in the name of science, this is <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can feel absolutely point. fine about eating them. You got to feel a little bit of moral quandary when you get to the people that are not organ donors. That's a good point. We we should start making a list. We should triage out the number one, two, three, four, five, six. The order of edible the, people. Yeah, the order of of edibleness. Right. Yeah, makes sense. Like if there was a prisoner who had killed fifty people on that plane, and the prisoner was being transported, right? And now it's thirty days later, and I'm starving, and I can survive off of eating the dead prisoner that person i think is the top of my list the mass murderer like oh yeah okay well what do you think about that uh i guess if we're giving value to dead bodies based on what they chose in life mm -hmm. i might play devil's advocate and 
say the opposite, that I don't want that person to continue on in any way, including feeding me. Maybe, maybe you could say, you know, something good will come of, come of him now, uh, after not much came from his life. But on the other hand, I might say, nah, don't, don't feed me the mass killer for whatever reasons. I don't want those. Well, are you worried that like proteins to continue on? I don't know how it would affect his energy me. or something like right. his energy would somehow right live on. I yeah. don't know. People with transplants have said that they can feel can feel what uh, experiences from the other person of who was transplanted. What? Really? I don't, really? Yeah. So if I get a liver, I don't think I'm. <laughs> liver I, I might be off a, the crazy book now. But. No, I don't know. If I get, <clears throat> I was drunk yesterday. I'm not drunk right now. <laughs> the uh, if I get a liver transplant from uh, like a figure skater, then I'll be. I'll, I can feel the pirouette, like in my yeah. Or if you get if you were to get a liver transplant from somebody that really liked whiskey, then when you drank whiskey, you might feel something different than if you currently drink whiskey. I don't think you can ever get a liver transplant from someone who liked whiskey. <laughs> they liked it a little. They liked it in moderation, with a moderate amount of whiskey. Well, they spit it out. <laughs> he so died. They... He died of lung cancer, but his liver was fine. Oh, I see. He All liked right. whiskey and cigarettes, and the cigarettes killed him. Oh, now you got his liver. Yeah. Well, or that the, when you do tasting, right, you just swish it around in your mouth and spit it out. Right. And that wouldn't affect your liver. Well, it would I, think. I think you I think you do absorb a little bit of it. I just don't think you absorb as much as if you swallowed it. I oh, think. okay. I could be wrong. Science science people need to double check my, yeah. my statements. <laughs> yeah, we'll hire a fact checker with all the advertising money off, off of this episode. Right. Okay, wait. So I will I will actually donate any advertising money you make to whatever fact checking you would like to do, even if it's just by you going, Yeah, that sounds right or no. All right, well remember this when we're the number one podcast in in anywhere yeah. and we have fifty million dollars to burn. <laughs> I have the recording of you saying that I can give all the money to the fact checkers. So. You do. Yeah, it'll be great. And I will stand by that statement. Okay, so. Half a million dollars. <laughs> to, to recap, it sounds like I'm going to eat the prisoner first because I feel like they, uh, whatever right they might have or their family members might have to, uh, the sanctity of their death, right? And respecting the dead and all of these things, like the, the social construct of respecting the dead of the mass murderer to me says that, Hey, look, once you start killing people, you're, uh, you, you lose all rights to that kind of stuff. So I suppose even so that he would be my number one, uh, on the menu, on the, on the menu. Yeah. So even higher on your list would be a mass murderer who also desecrated the corpses. So you'd, you'd have the mass murderer that just shot people in the back of the head and walked away, and then you'd have the mass murderer who killed the person and then chopped them up into little bits and fed them to animals. Oh, yeah. Okay, so based on the rap sheet and the heinous nature of their crimes, yeah, the there I could rank them right. in the top tier there. I could rank them as to who we're going to eat. Hopefully the paperwork has survived <laughs> the plane crash, and we can figure out exactly <laughs> which right. – per- right, but, but We I- need the officer that's accompanying him to be one of our surviving group so we can listen to what each person did. Yeah. All right, I'm, I'm okay with paperwork. That's that's cool. So, Well, I probably burned the paperwork for fuel and warmth, I guess. Yeah, crap. Maybe it's on a laptop. Maybe we crashed on a tropical island. Oh, yeah. This is much better than those snowy Alps. Well, no, but after 30 days of the – the bean would be bad. You couldn't eat it anyway. Yeah, there was and a freezer on the plane. With was a good a- amount of salt. <laughs> what? <laughs> but no food in it. Just humans. <laughs> Wait, 
how would the freezer run? We need electricity, so we got a there generator. There's a generator there too. And enough fuel. Yeah, but the plane's not working because it crashed. So oh, we're yeah. stuck. Obviously. With a, a Ob- generator that, that we're running. That, that to power our freezer. Saying. And the radios are gone. The, the, the cockpit broke off and fell into the ocean. Yeah. And we can't fish. We'd rather eat bodies. So, well, maybe that's, you know, maybe the fishing doesn't work. We tried right. the fishing. So it's got to be work. the Alps. I think you got to crash in the Alps. Oh, we're going back. I was so, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to catch up in my mind with your scenario. <laughs> And now we're back in the mountains. <laughs> I decided my scenario is not not defendable. Oh, okay, we're in the mountains now. All right, but but I thought I heard you say that your number one position would not be the 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 heinous criminal because you don't want them. You don't want their energies, their proteins. I think you said you don't want whatever it is that could possibly live on to pass into your body as a you know like that's bad karma or juju or mojo or something. Is yeah, that, I think if I'm saying? deciding at that point, I don't so know that your, I necessarily. Who's your number one? Just anybody? Just some businessman? Well, I think I'd go with the person with you know the best uh, mixture of fat and muscle. Marbling. Marbling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who was a organ donor and thus hopefully didn't mind his body or didn't have any beliefs regarding his body in the post-mortem state. Huh. Well, I'm not sure that they don't have any belief. Like, I'm an organ donor, and I don't know that I don't have any beliefs about my body in a post-mortem so, state. And I think that's the next question then. Huh? Maybe that you should ask would be What's that? if if we don't survive, are we okay being eaten by the survivors? Well, I don't think I get a vote at that point. <laughs> well, no, I think I, I think that's why we ask it now. Oh, I see. <laughs> I don't think if you're dead, you get to raise your hand. Rigor mortis pops in right when they're. Do we have any volunteers for eating <laughs> right here? So every flight I take over the Swiss Alps, I need to print the transcript of this. As my last will and testament about my, the consumption of me, is that what? Yeah, yeah. For, so they, for so survival. they know, right? And this this is not even you know this is consumption for survival. So you're at, you're at a state where obviously you you risk starving to death if you do not consume the dead bodies around you. Right, right, yeah, okay, um, okay. Organ donors first, uh, and then does it? So what criteria? Goes after organ donors. So the best marbling of organ donors. Of organ donors. Uh, I don't know. I think I'd feel weird eating kids. Even in a postmortem, I think it'd be strange eating younger. So I think I'd eat, eat the older ones first. Like the oldest ones first? Or it doesn't matter as long as the oldest affects taste or not. So who knows? And I don't think I taste matters at a point where you're facing starvation. So I'm yeah. probably going with oldest first. They probably don't have a, a you know parents that will need to see their body or, or things of that sort so we'll start with the oldest first yeah so i think the monty python lost in a raft have you heard the monty python bit where they're <clears throat> so they're i remember this but only vaguely yeah they're in they're in a raft and the the captain is encouraging everyone that if they if it comes to it that they should eat him and then they start arguing about whether or not he's kosher and whether or not someone else is tastier and whether or not someone else is whatever so, yeah, this, this is well-trodden ground. I don't think that this author has... <laughs> well, we haven't read the author, so uh, I guess I can't say that it's not... Uh, Peter Cave is being unjustly judged. <laughs> based on a 30-second review of his novel. <laughs> he should make a better cover and uh, preface if he wants to... Preface if he wants to... Uh... Did you read the preface? 
No, not all of it. So he should oh. make a he should make a better first <laughs> okay. couple of sentences. Yeah, the uh, does it, not wish to be judged. It needs so. to fit on the cover of the book <laughs> when I'm glancing at it. In the uh, see, I haven't even read the back of the book. That's how bad I am. Oh well, you know. <laughs> so yeah, I think I'd be okay with somebody eating my body. If I if I'm dead and you need to survive, okay. Eat my are, body. You, are you an organ donor? I am an organ organ donor. Okay. Are you well marbled? I'm probably well marbled. I don't know. I am only about uh, six or seven percent body fat at this stage. So is that that's pretty low for it's, marbling, right? It's pretty low, and I'm I've been, but I've been adding fat recently. So I used to be sub four percent, which was in getting to a dangerous and unhealthy level. And when you're so when you're intentionally adding fat, which is a problem I've never had, <laughs> are you? intentionally marbling it into your muscles? Right. I, I try to gain mostly healthy weight. I'm not trying to gain just fat percentage. When you gain healthy weight, is that marbling in your muscles? Is that how that works? I don't know. I, I imagine know it works. Either. I know that uh, it's healthier according to my dietitian. So. Oh, wow. A dietitian. Have you asked your dietitian about eating people? I didn't ask about eating people. Uh-huh. I, I probably should and watch the look on his face. Yeah. Because they're experts in all consumption. And they should know. They should know. This should be in their training. I mean, how could you get certified as a dietitian without, you know, the big questions being asked? And and oddly, I don't think this question gets asked enough in today's society. I wonder why (laughs) kids don't ask about eating people. Maybe they do. Maybe I need to have some kids and then they'll ask. Yeah. So the, okay, let's see. So the, the ethics of eating animals, right? So like when I talk to my parents about the ethics of eating animals, they tend to come from it at a religious, from a religious perspective, where uh, God gave us dominion over the the beast and the the something of the earth, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And so for him, the moral justification comes from uh, a religious uh, history. Yeah. And for me, I don't I don't think that works for me. Um, if I could get the protein that I'm supposed to be on. Like if I could eat just vegetables and some fruit and get a lot of protein out of a test tube, right? Like if that was somehow possible. You get whey protein and nuts. <clears throat> well, yeah. So whey protein though, the, the paleo thing, I'm not supposed to eat grain stuff, right. whey stuff. Like that's what, what, what I think that diet says about that is that it's, uh, it's triggering the wrong response in your metabolism. Like the, your blood sugar levels go up from from wheat and grains and all these things, and that that's not a healthy cycle of blood sugar consumption. Like you right. exercise like crazy, you, you want it to continue burning your fat, <clears throat> right. right? So you exercise like crazy, so you can eat whatever you want, and you're not going to be humongous, you know, like like me. I, whereas I am sedentary most of the week, and then on the weekend I like binge exercise, dirt biking and. Well, this, this weekend will be mostly drinking, I think. <laughs> I only go up the hill one time, and that's it. But usually when I'm dirt biking, it's like eight hours of exercise, and the bike falls over, and i got to deadlift a 300-pound motorcycle and all this stuff, right? Um, but, yeah, the whey protein is not the, the cycle of uh, – well, anyway. So I should probably just exercise more. But anyway, my thought is that if I can uh, – eat protein without killing animals to eat protein, that that would be better. Like when science can give me a thing that fits my understanding of of the, the diet that I'm on, well, I guess cavemen were supposed to have access to it, etc. So that doesn't work. But 
if that was an option, I'd be happy to do that, right? And in that scenario, one of the things that occurs to me is if I stop, I meaning all of humanity, stops eating uh, cows and chickens and maybe fish, um, we would not have billions of cows and chickens grown for food, and those creatures never would have lived. Right. So then I come at it from like a utilitarian ethics perspective, and I wonder <clears throat> those like like say we had perfect uh, ethical treatment of animals for food. Sure. Which I don't think we do. But right, you say get free we free roaming. Yeah, killed with a little air blast to the head that they don't even feel. Never know. They're never, never under know. any stress. They're super happy. They're doing their thing. They're doing exactly what they want to do their whole lives, and then their lives end painlessly, right? Right. And then we eat them. My question from an ethics perspective is, if that was how all of our food was raised, and I've heard horrible things about dairy farms and blah, 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 right. but if, let's assume the best possible animal husbandry, is that what they call it? Um, is it better that these chickens, these millions and billions of chickens, lived, you know, and then were killed and eaten? Or would it be better that we shut down that entire industry and those chickens never live? And I think that gets to, maybe I'm full of crap, I think that gets to the question of whether or not life itself is a good thing. Right. Whether or not a chicken, two years, you know, living for two years, not in a little tiny cage, but out doing whatever they want to do with all the food they want to eat and, you know, happiest possible chicken life. Two years, and then whack, they're gone. Is that better from an ethical perspective or not? And this is the, this I haven't figured out. <laughs> so, well, and I think you're if asking... I'm in a good mood, if I'm in a good mood, I think that they're better off having lived and then gotten eaten. And if I'm in, if I'm in a bad mood, you know, then it's like, oh, well, my nihilism is in full effect and I can't be bothered to think that it's a good thing that they've lived at all. Yeah. And I think that you're asking a very basic question that everyone should ask themselves, which is why am I here? And thus is my being here. Well, now you're projecting because I was thinking about why are the chickens here and why are the, why are the cows here, here and right. I can't imagine you, that applies you, back to myself. You use words like good or <laughs> good or bad or better or worse. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and so how do we measure, you know, good or bad or better or worse? If well, we measure better being more pleasure to more living beings, then I think you're right. They're better having existed in a perfectly cared for uh, environment and then you know, dying as the purpose of providing us food. Yeah, utilitarianism. Boom. Utilitarianism. John Stewart, no. If your definition of better is the most pleasure possible, right? Uh, if our purpose in life is just to create more life and continue living, then as long as other life is meeting that purpose, then it doesn't matter. M meaning that how we treat them is irrelevant in your in the ethical system you're espousing or what do, what does that mean well not necessarily irrelevant but if the if the main purpose of life is uh procreation is procreation and continuation of its of itself uh it seems pointless anyways now if you're if the only purpose of life is to continue sustaining itself yeah like, uh, like it philosophy won't, right it won't matter whether or not chickens <laughs> did or did not get created in the millions and consumed, 
If they didn't and life goes on, life went on. And if they did and life goes on, life went on. Uh, not to say that you can't have both if, if that's the way that you believe. Or, or life has a purpose and your purpose is something like you want to create, uh, whether that be art or a better world, uh, in a way that you define as, uh, more efficiency or less pain or more pleasure, uh, then you, you can look at it as a, a purpose driven life where by them accomplishing the purpose of feeding and pleasure that it, uh, so long as they were also humanely treated that it's a great thing that they lived and it's a great thing that they fulfilled the, the purpose of feeding someone. There, there's no doubt that with cows, if it were a survival of the fittest world, uh, without humans consuming cows, cows wouldn't be here. The cow, the cow is not. Well, the buffalo were here. The buffalo were here. Right. Uh, so there were millions of those because they had horns and they could defend themselves in herds. Right. And there weren't yet <clears throat> hundreds of millions of people eating them. Right. But cheeseburger cows were not here. Correct. Yeah. The cow that we know of today was, did not exist. Or, or would not still be, uh, definitely here in the numbers that it is today. So are you, are you advocating that the model of meaning is this purpose-driven thing? And if so, who decides what the purpose is? Well, I'd, I'd argue that the my main facet, and, and this is only for my philosophy, and I wouldn't dare force this on anybody, but my main facet is is a purpose and meaning. My second would be, you know, pleasure in the existence as, as in, you know, lack of pain or pursuit of whatever it is that you find pleasurable beyond purpose or just in the moment. Right, with no greater meaning than that moment itself. So did you decide your purpose for your life, or did someone... Well, right now I have my purpose, but it, you know, as you said, it's it, that's a deep question that you may not even know the answer to. And so my current answer is that, yeah, I, I believe the purpose of my life is to create more than I consume. So well, but, I want to... But matter can neither be created nor destroyed, so... No, but I can change shapes with a, a purpose towards uh, efficiency. And you're right. You're asking some very difficult questions as far as, you know, if I leave the world and I've helped everybody else pursue their purpose by creating communication between everyone, my very purpose for my creation is, is temporary. My purpose of instituting uh, the ability to communicate, whether that be between people or computers or, you know, people's thoughts on computers uh, is very much just in the moment. Oh, so you feel that your your vocation is your your job is uh, is part of uh, the the reason that you're here. I mean, the part of the is that your yeah. And I don't feel oh, like I couldn't have a different reason, but I feel that my need to create uh, allows me to. Uh, to love what I do, and it, and it becomes my purpose in in my very vocation, even though that vocation could change. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think I'm trying to think if I so I, I think that the the skill set that I have in computer stuff is something I find very rewarding, but it's I, I kind of feel like it's being currently directed in the wrong areas, and so I'm trying to move towards this, oh, hey, wouldn't it be cool if I could use my skill set to, you know, help lots of people that need help instead of, you know, helping people that are already doing quite well. Sure. Um, so, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. 
So I hadn't thought about, because you're a telecommunications expert, networking expert, what right. are you? Yeah. So I hadn't thought about that before, that you feel like your skill set is lending to interpersonal communication around the planet with the technology and that that's, that's a purposeful, meaningful, substantive part of uh, what drives you to wake yeah. up every morning. And I, I feel like I... Uh... <laughs> You realize it's mostly porn, right? <laughs> well, uh, clearly. Uh, aside from the fact of all, most of my work's in the commercial field where oh. <laughs> porn's pretty highly restricted, but, oh. uh, right. you know, porn itself is a form of pleasure and, and production and, uh, creating something, whether that be art or, you know, just the, just a way in which other people can find pleasure for a time. Is it really? Is porn mostly art? There's a certain level of art to it. I'd I'd argue. I don't. Huh. I wouldn't argue that you should call it art you must necessarily. Be <laughs> looking at better porn than me. <laughs> that being said, yeah, I'd, I can't stand most porn. So. <laughs> I was just flipping through the book to see if any of these 33 chapters were about. Uh... Porn, porn has some interesting negative effects too. So oh yeah, yeah. Reading about the negative effects of, of porn and our culture of immediate access to it. Uh, oh, I was just thinking about the 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 performers i mean the, the there's yes yeah but a lot of that comes written. from the the culture of the business around it right if you have this business that's frowned upon by the state and nobody wants to really talk about in any way uh, as far as having a rational discussion with rational people it's always that thing you put in the back room that's dirty then you're going to have a a business culture that's ran like that and you're going to have some serious problems yeah. it's the same reason that you know we have some serious problems with prostitution if you look at the, I'm not saying it's ran perfectly in, in somewhere like Australia, but if you if you look at Australia and some of the cities there that run uh, legalized prostitution versus here where we just criminalize it in most of our cities, you know, not including Nevada, um, you you can see some of the dangers that it causes when you treat something as just being inherently dirty and not wanting to have a discussion about it. Um, and thus, you know, you don't want your police police involved in it because, oh, that's dirty, and we don't want the police around dirty stuff. Yeah. You, you come up with some issues, and yeah, I think you can see it with a lot of performers. The ex- exploitation of Sorry to get serious would, there for a minute. Yeah, no, I I assume we'll be uh, driving this conversation into whether or not we eat the porn star second. Uh, I because think they're well-marbled. Is with the <laughs> they are well-marbled. <laughs> and if, if we do have this cultural impression of dirtiness, then you'd assume that we would we would push them towards last where we really have to decide if whether or not they're any more dirty than the person next to them because they allowed some of the times they had sex to be filmed. Uh-huh. Do, do you really think that, uh, you know, if, if a porn star is making so many hundreds of dollars per hour, uh, that they're performing all hours of the day and every day, you know, do you think they have a gig Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and that thus they're having more sex with more people than we are? Or are we having just as much sex as porn stars have? No, I'm certainly not. I can't speak well, about your sex life. <laughs> you know, and does, but, does that make us dirtier or less dirty, you know, and yeah. how long since they were a porn star that they're on this plane and when do we eat them? Well, and it's fascinating. Like in, in, in Bangkok, when I was there, the, the culture of the sex industry is so different and sex tourism is so rampant such a big part of the economy you know and there's there's no well i don't know about no but there's it's not 
a, a source of shame. Like there's not all this constant slut shaming going on in the, right. the sex industry in Thailand. And so that's very, very interesting stuff here. Chapter 12 is women and men are equal. Really? <laughs> On page 73. So I don't think that gets into slut shaming and whether or not we're protecting uh, people doing legal things with consenting adults. But That's a tough question. That's a good way to get in the doghouse with a with a girlfriend is the, what that question is. I see. No matter how you answer it. Yeah, I don't see any sex positivity chapters in, out of these 33 chapters. I don't see any. Uh... Well, the, the book that you're holding uh, fits in one hand, so... You may need a bigger book to <laughs> delve into that. All right. So what have we established so far? So clearly. I think we both agree that we need people to survive. Yeah. Okay. And the survival scenario. All right. So what are the, what would be the other? Okay. So here's, okay. So here's the next thing. So some cultures eat the placenta after childbirth, right? Yep, I've and, seen that recently, and I don't know why. Okay. Uh, so that's sort of in this category of stuff, right? Um, if I feel like... So so getting into, like, the right-to-die ethics, yeah? If I feel that uh, I have a, a terminal cancer or something, blah, 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 I personally feel like right to die is a is an issue that the government shouldn't uh be involved in. Like I I think that people have if if they've decided of their own volition that they are terminally ill and they don't want to suffer and get to the point where they can't breathe, et cetera, et cetera, over the last six months of their life, um, or whatever it is, that they I, I think people should have the freedom to make choices about the end of their life for themselves. And if they make decisions while they're still able to make decisions mentally, right. Um, then I think doctors should be free to help them with that, et cetera, et cetera. You know, there was an episode, I think of star Trek where, uh, was it Kirk? Yeah, I think it was the original Star Trek. <laughs> and Captain Kirk was horrified to find out. Oh, no. Maybe it was the next generation. Anyway, one of the characters was horrified to find out that uh, in this other culture, right, the, the prime directive was we will not interfere with other people's other cultures, right? Sure. Um, in this other culture, when you hit the age of 55 or something, uh, you were eliminated from the population to make uh, for for greater efficiency of total resources or something i can't remember what that was all right if the manner so i think in the show the manner of that was they were was not that they were eaten but it seems a waste of perfectly good resources if that culture is going to end people's life with a incinerator at the age of 55 and of course captain kirk is horrified and he can't believe that this would happen and you have so much left to give for you know to society and all these things because that didn't fit his, you know, and he was forgetting the prime directive the whole time <laughs> about not interfering. Um, but if if it's the case that there is a, a, a finite, tight amount of resources and you're going to end your life and uh, you can be part of the food chain, then isn't that fine? And if you're 
deciding your own end of life stuff and you're still fit to eat, right? Then why can't you decide that, oh yeah, uh, end of life and by the way, feel free to eat me. And I'm, I'm, I'm asking these questions and thinking about them for myself at the same time because I don't know that I know how I feel about this. So I think, uh, I completely agree with, uh, right to die. Uh, and your own control of your end of life. And I think that if you want to be eaten and there's somebody that wants to eat you, uh, that's fine. But that fits right into my normal philosophy, which is as long as you're not coercing anyone into something, uh, that they should be able to decide for themselves. If you don't interfere with anybody else, then I'm perfectly happy with you deciding that you want someone to eat you and, and them consuming you. It wouldn't be me. Uh, if, if somebody, uh, consents to their placenta being eaten and somebody else wants to eat that placenta, that's fine with me. I'd really rather not see it nor hear about it, uh, and I will not be taking part in the taste testing. Uh, however, I, I don't see a, a moral or ethical issue with it. Uh, and, you know, more specifically to that episode of, uh, of Star Trek, as long as that was a consensual decision made after the age of consent, uh, by the citizens there that this is the way they want to live. I don't have a problem with that either. Uh, but, my problem would come in when you, uh, you know, when, when the person becomes the age of consent, whatever age that might be here in America, we seem to think 18 and 21 are magical numbers that if they say, Hey, wait a minute, I don't want to live in this culture. I don't want to die when I'm 55, that they should be free to leave that culture. Oh yeah. 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 Um, that would be the only time that I'd have a problem with it would be, you know, you telling them, well, that's the way things are and you're going to die when you're 55 because I said so, or because we said so as a culture, then I have, uh, then I take, take issue with it. And I think some of this was explored on, on other shows of, you know, the time and a little bit before that time, like, uh, I think it was Gunsmoke that did an episode where the, there was the Indian chief that wanted to die the way of his people, which was when they got to an age and they decided that their life was over they essentially found a cave uh, that went into the earth and they'd go into that cave and wait there and die. And one of the characters on Gunspoke, who is usually the fool character for better turn, one of the townspeople uh, that came from the east, uh, went out and, and found this guy trying to die and was like, no, you're, you're still alive. You're, you're not allowed to die yet and wanted to try and keep him alive in the episode. Oh, in the cave. Explores that. Not even in the cave. He oh. brought him, he tied him up and like brought him back to town on a horseback. Try and try and save this guy. Um, and this show kind of explores uh, what really at the time had to be a very advanced concept of right to die. It doesn't ever name it, but uh, it's exploring some things that clearly today our society still doesn't, uh, hasn't come to terms with uh, the, the diversity of viewpoints on it. Yeah. And when there's, when there, I mean, my, when, when there is not, uh, when there is a diversity of viewpoints, it seems to me that the government should stay out of it, <laughs> you know, and let people decide for themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. Huh. All right. So I think, I think we're on the same page with that whole thing. Huh. Yeah. I wonder if there's any meat in the book. Meat in the book. Get it? Ha! Ah! Because it's a book about eating people. <laughs> well, just one chapter. I get jokes. <laughs> All right. So let me see what material we have in here. 
You know what? One of these days, I'm probably going to think about what I want to do for a podcast and then prepare and then actually be prepared. And then it'd be interesting to actually talk through that. You better be ready for that day because you're going to pick up followers and fans then. The production value is going to skyrocket. You'll pick up an advertiser. It's get going a, to take off. Get a logo and theme music. Like and, a rocket. Yeah. <laughs> It's interesting going back and uh, even now as a geek watching some of the older episodes of uh, The Next Generation and even uh, original Star Trek and seeing the, you know, some of them are just sci-fi stories and others are real moral and philosoph philosophical uh, quandaries that the cast and crew get to sort of explore. Although the show itself pushed some of the boundaries first First true interspecies kiss on oh, television. Yeah. Was that the green girl? Or was she black or I don't it happened with both of them? It might have been an interracial kiss too. I don't I don't know if that show holds that holds that record or not. Yeah. Well guess what? So here I am on the end of this chapter, and uh it seems like we covered a lot of this already. So it says respect may be shown in diverse ways. Consider a society where people may choose how their lives and remains should end. Just as today we respect people's wishes, whether to be cremated or buried. And even accept that a few mothers after birth cook the placentas. So in that society, a choice could be made to be eaten. Perhaps a highly significant and ritualistic dining ceremony exists. And only the deceased loved ones are present. Perhaps the, perhaps the ritual is symbolic of ultimate or eternal bonding, of connecting with the deceased. In such a society, people would feel their lives ended badly if the appropriate ceremonies failed to take place. The dining may be associated with a sense of religious oneness or of the flesh, metaphorically sustaining the living. Some could see the eating more as worthy sacrificing to the gods. Others may regard life as a work of art, requiring the right ending, just as do novels and music. I'm proud of myself that I thought of the placenta angle before we read the book. Yeah, it seems like we covered uh, a couple of the angles. The author definitely has a uh, wonderful way with words. These are really short chapters. Like, they're only four pages long. <laughs> it's, it's not small text either. Yeah. No, there is absolutely no excuse for me not to have prepared by reading that <laughs> four pages. Well, in my defense, well, eight pages. I would have downloaded the ebook and read it <laughs> if I had been given notice to prepare. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So I, I doubt the the author will hear this, but Peter Cave, if you're ever listening to this, I'm sorry. I've judged your book by its cover and preface. Well, so and chapter listings in a few there, sentences. There's thirty two, thirty three chapters. And we could do, I know you're going to be out of town for a couple of weeks, but we could do a repeating series of these things and we could actually read it. And, uh, some of my favorite podcasts, they're drinking while they, uh, do that. So. Oh, I'm all for drinking while podcasting. <laughs> we could do that. Don't drink and drive, but drink and podcast. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No, there's, you know, there's couches here. If, if the drinking gets out of control or whatever, just sleep it off and then drive home whenever. Well, I feel like, uh, you know, we've covered one of the chapters, Eating People. Boom. Uh, Success. That one's in the can. Yeah, that one's in the can. <laughs> the, can the spam can. The spam can of man, right on the cover. It's a little out of order, doing number 19 first, but. Well, that, but that's the chapter, the, the title of the book. It's on the front of the book, so. And I saw that, and I was like, oh, man, i got to get this. I wonder if Dave will talk to me about this kind of crap. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>
<laughs> this is fun. I would do an entire series, one chapter. Sweet. Time. Let's do it. Two or weeks when you're back, uh, and I got to get a process going where I do any editing at all because I've got two other episodes that I haven't edited yet, and I feel bad about that. Uh, so much stuff. I got too many hobbies, Dave. Too many. And you're a man with too many hobbies as well. Or I at do least, have too many hobbies. At least an appropriate number of hobbies. At least. I would go with too many probably as well. Yeah. <laughs> More than I can keep up with. I had to prioritize and cut back. All right. Cool. All right. Thanks, Dave. No problem.